Section 2 of The Fundamentals, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Fundamentals, Volume 2, Section 2. The Recent Testimony of Archaeology to the Scriptures by M. G. Kyle. Introduction. Recent is a dangerously capacious word to entrust to an archaeologist. Anything this side of the day of Pentecost is recent in biblical archaeology. For this review, however, anything since 1904 is accepted to be, in a general way, the meaning of the word recent. Recent testimony of archaeology may be either the testimony of recent discoveries or recent testimony of former discoveries. A new interpretation, if it be established to be a true interpretation, is a discovery. For to uncover is not always to discover. Indeed, the real value of a discovery is not its emergence, but its significance, and the discovery of its real significance is the real discovery. The most important testimony to the scriptures of this five-year archaeological period admits of some classification. 1. The historical setting of the patriarchal reception in Egypt. The reception in Egypt accorded to Abraham and to Jacob and his sons, and the elevation of Joseph there, peremptorily demands either the acknowledgement of a mythical element in the stories, or the belief in a suitable historical setting, therefore. Obscure, insignificant private citizens are not accorded such recognition at a foreign and unfriendly court. While some have been conceding a mythical element in the stories, archaeology has uncovered to view such appropriate historical setting that the patriarchs are seen not to have been obscure, insignificant private citizens, nor Zoan a foreign and unfriendly court. The presence of the Semitic tongue in Hyksos's territory has long been known. From still earlier than patriarchal times until much later, the Phoenicians, first cousins of the Hebrews, did the foreign business of the Egyptians, as the English, the Germans, and the French do the foreign business of the Chinese of today. And some familiarity, even sympathy with Semitic religion, has been strongly suspected from the interview of the Hyksos kings with the patriarchs. But the discovery in 1906 by Petri of the great fortified camp at Tel el Yehudieh set at rest in the main the biblical question of the relation between the patriarchs and the hyksos the abundance of hyksos scarabs and the almost total absence of all others mark the camp as certainly a hyksos camp the original character of the fortifications before the hyksos learnt the builder's craft from the egyptians shows them to have depended upon the bow for defence and finally the name hyksos in the egyptian hak shashu Bedouin princes brings out sharp and clear the harmonious picture of which we have had glimpses for a time of the Hyksos as wandering tribes of the desert of Upper and Lower Ruthen, i.e. Syria and Palestine, Northern and Western Arabia. Bow people, as the Egyptians called them, their traditional enemies as far back as pyramid times. Why then should not the patriarchs have had a royal reception in Egypt? They were themselves also the heads of wandering tribes of Upper and Lower Ruthen, in the tongue of the Egyptians, Hakshashu, Bedouin princes, and among princes, a prince is a prince, however small his principality. So Abraham, the Bedouin prince, was accorded princely consideration at the Bedouin court in Egypt. Joseph, the Bedouin slave, became again the Bedouin prince, when the wisdom of God with him and his rank by birth became known. 
and jacob and his other sons were welcome with all their followers and their wealth as a valuable acquisition to the court party always harassed by the restive and rebellious native egyptians this does not prove racial identity between the hyksos and the patriarchs but very close tribal relationship and thus every suspicion of a mythical element in the narrative of the reception accorded the patriarchs in egypt disappears when archaeology has testified to the true historical setting two the hittite vindication a second recent testimony of archaeology gives us the great hittite vindication the Hittites have been, in one respect, the Trojans of Bible history. Indeed, the inhabitants of old Troy were scarcely more in need of a Schliemann to vindicate their claim to reality than the Hittites of A. Winkler. In 1904, one of the foremost archaeologists of Europe said to me, I do not believe there ever were such a people as the Hittites, and I do not believe Kita in the Egyptian inscriptions was meant for the name Hittites. We will allow that archaeologist to be nameless now but the ruins of troy vindicated the right of her people to a place in real history and the ruins of boghats koi bid fair to afford a more striking vindication of the bible representation of the hittites only the preliminary announcement of winkler's great treasury of documents from boghats koi has yet been made the complete unfolding of a long eclipsed great national history is still awaited impatiently but enough has been published to redeem this people completely from their half-mythical plight and give them a firm place in sober history greater than imagination had ever fancied for them under the stimulus of any hint contained in the bible there has been brought to light a hittite empire in asia minor with central power and vassal dependencies round about and with treaty rights on equal terms with the greatest nations of antiquity thus making the hittite power a third great power with babylonia and egypt as was indeed foreshadowed in the great treaty of the hittites with rameses the second inscribed on the projecting wing of the south wall of the temple of amon at karnak though rameses tried so hard to obscure that fact the ruins at the village of Boghatskoi are shown also to mark the location of the Hittite capital, and the unknown language on the cuneiform tablets recovered there to be the Hittite tongue, while the cuneiform method of writing, as already upon the Amana tablets, so still more clearly here, is seen to have been the diplomatic script, and in good measure the Babylonian to have been the diplomatic language of the Orient in that age and the large admixture of Babylonian words and forms in these Hittite inscriptions opens the way for a real decipherment of the Hittite language, and imagination can scarcely promise too much to our hopes for the light which such a decipherment will throw upon the historical and cultural background of the Bible. Only one important point remains to be cleared up, the relation between the Hittite language of these cuneiform tablets and the language of the Hittite hieroglyphic inscription that these were identical is probable that the hieroglyphic inscriptions represent an older form of the language a kind of hieratic is possible that it was essentially different from the language of these tablets is improbable there has been the hittite vindication the complete illumination of hittite history is not likely to be long delayed three the palestinian civilization other recent testimony of archaeology brings before us the palestinian civilization of the conquest period palestinian explorations within the last few years have yielded a startling array of finds illustrating things mentioned in the bible finds of the same things finds of like things and finds in harmony with things 
individual mention of them all is here neither possible nor desirable of incomparably greater importance than these individually interesting relics of canaanite antiquity is the answer afforded by recent research to two questions first first in order does the canaanite culture as revealed by the excavations accord with the story of israel at the conquest as related in the bible how much of a break in culture is required by the bible account and how much is revealed by the excavations for answer we must find a standpoint somewhere between that of the dilettante traveller in the land of the microscopic scientist thousands of miles away the careful excavator in the field occupies that sane and safe middle point of view petri bliss mcallister schumacher and selin these are the men with whom to stand and for light on the early civilization of palestine the great work of mcallister at giza stands easily first historical value of pottery in determining this question of culture too much importance has been allowed to that estimate of time and chronological order which is gained exclusively from the study of pottery the pottery remains are not to be undervalued and neither are they to be overvalued time is only one thing that shows itself in similarity or dissimilarity in pottery different stages of civilization and at different places at the same time and adaptation to an end either at the same time or at widely different times show themselves in pottery and render very uncertain any chronological deduction and still more available material may result in the production of similar pottery in two very different civilizations arising one thousand years or more apart this civilization of pots as a deciding criterion is not quite adequate and is safe as a criterion at all only when carefully compared with the testimony of location intertribal relations governmental domination and literary attainments these are the things in addition to the pots which help to determine indeed which do determine how much of a break in culture is required by the bible account of the conquest and how much is shown by excavations since the israelites occupied the cities and towns and vineyards and olive orchards of the canaanites and their houses full of all good things had the same materials and in the main the same purposes for pottery and would adopt methods of cooking suited to the country spoke the language of canaan and were of the same race as many of the people of canaan intermarried though against their law with the people of the land and were continually chided for lapses into the idolatry and superstitious practices of the canaanites and in short were greatly different from them only in religion it is evident that the only marked immediate change to be expected at the conquest is a change in religion and that any other break in culture occasioned by the devastation of war will be only a break in continuance of the same kind of culture evidence of demolition spoliation and reconstruction exactly such change in religion and interruption in culture at the conquest period excavations show religion and culture a the rubbish at giza shows history in distinct layers and the layers themselves are in distinct groups at the bottom are layers canaanite not semitic above these layers semitic amorite giving place to jewish and higher still layers of jewish culture of the monarchy and later times b the closing up of the great tunnel to the spring within the fortifications at giza is placed by the layers of history in the rubbish heaps at the period of the conquest but when a great fortification is so ruined and the power it represents so destroyed that it loses sight of its water supply surely the culture of the time has had an interruption though it be not much changed then this tunnel 
as a great engineering feat is remarkable testimony to the advanced state of civilization at the time of its construction but the more remarkable the civilization it represents the more terrible must have been the disturbance of the culture which caused it to be lost and forgotten c again there is apparent an enlargement of the populated area of the city of giza by encroaching upon the temple area at the period of the conquest showing at once the crowding into the city of israelites without the destruction of the canaanites as stated in the bible and a corresponding decline in reverence for the sacred enclosure of the high place while at a time corresponding to the early period of the monarchy there is a sudden decrease of the populated area corresponding to the destruction of the canaanites in the city by the father of solomon's egyptian wife d of startling significance the hypothetical musri egypt in north arabia concerning which it has been said the patriarchs descended thereto the israelites escaped therefrom and a princess thereof solomon married has been finally and definitely discredited for giza was a marriage dower of that princess whom solomon married a portion of her father's dominion and so a place of the supposed musri if it ever existed and if so at giza then we should find some evidence of this people and their civilization of such there is not a trace but instead we find from very early times but especially at this time egyptian remains in great abundance e indeed even egyptian refinement and luxuries were not incongruous in the palestine of the conquest period the great rock-hewn and rock-built cisterns at tarnek the remarkable engineering on the tunnel at giza the great forty-foot city wall in an egyptian picture of canaanite war the list of richest canaanite booty given by thothmes the third the fine ceramic and bronze utensils and weapons recovered from nearly every palestinian excavation and the literary revelations of the amana tablets together with the reign of law seen by a comparison of the scriptural account with the code of hammurabi show canaanite civilization of that period to be fully equal to that of egypt f then the bible glimpses of canaanite practices and the products of canaanite religion now uncovered exactly agree the mystery of the high place of the bible narrative with its sacred caves lies bare at giza and tarnak the sacrifice of infants probably first-born and the foundation and other sacrifices of children either infant or partly grown appear in all their ghastliness in various places at giza and practically all over the hill at tarnak g but the most remarkable testimony of archaeology of this period is to the scripture representations of the spiritual monotheism of israel in its conflict with the horrible idolatrous polytheism of the canaanites the final overthrow of the latter and the ultimate triumph of the former the history of that conflict is as plainly written at giza in the gradual decline of the high place and giving way of the revolting sacrifice of children to the bowl and lamp deposit as it is in the inspired account of joshua judges and samuel and the line that marks off the territory of divine revelation in religion from the impinging heathenism round about is as distinct as that line off the coast of newfoundland where the cold waters of the north beat against the warm life-giving flow of the gulf stream the revelation of the spade in palestine is making to stand out every day more clearly the revelation that god made there is no evidence of a purer religion growing up out of that vile culture but rather of a purer religion coming down and overwhelming it second 
Another and still more important question concerning Palestine civilization is, what was the source and course of the dominant civilization, and especially the religious culture reflected in the Bible account of the millennium preceding and millennium succeeding the birth of Abraham? Was it from without toward Canaan, or from Canaan outward? Did Palestine in her civilization and culture of those days, in much or in all, but reflect Babylonia, or was she a luminary? Palestine and Babylonia The revision of views concerning Palestinian civilization, forced by recent excavation, at once puts a bold interrogation point to the opinion long accepted by many of the source and course of religious influence during this formative period of patriarchal history, and the time of the working out of the principles of Israel's religion into the practices of Israel's life. If the Palestinian civilization during this period was equal to that of Egypt, and so certainly not inferior to that of Babylonia, then the opinion that the flow of religious influence was then from Babylonia to Palestine must stand for its defense. Here arises the newest problem of biblical archaeology, and one of the most expert cuneiform scholars of the day, Albert T. Clay, has essayed this problem and announces a revolutionary solution of it by a new interpretation of well-known material, as well as the interpretation of newly acquired material. The solution is nothing less, indeed, than that instead of the source of religious influence being Babylonia, and its early course from Babylonia into Palestine, exactly the reverse is true that the Semitic Babylonian religion is an importation from Syria and Palestine, Amuru, that the creation, deluge, antediluvian patriarchs, etc., of the Babylonian came from Amuru, instead of the Hebraic stories having come from Babylonia, as held by nearly all Semitic scholars. This is startling and far-reaching in its consequences. Clay's work must be put to the test, and so it will be, before it can be finally accepted. It has, however, this initial advantage, that it is in accord with the apparent self-consciousness of the scripture writers, and, as we have seen, exactly in the direction in which recent discoveries in Palestinian civilization point. 4. Palestine and Egypt Again, archaeology has of late furnished illumination of certain special questions of both Old and New Testament criticism. 1. Light from Babylonia by L. W. King of the British Museum on the Chronology of the First Three Dynasties helps to determine the date of Hammurabi, and so of Abraham's call and of the Exodus, and indeed has introduced a corrective element into the chronology of all subsequent history, down to the time of David, and exerts a far-reaching influence upon many critical questions in which the chronological element is vital. Sacrifice in Egypt 2. The entire absence from the offerings of old Egyptian religion of any of the great Pentateuchal ideas of sacrifice, substitution, atonement, dedication, fellowship, and indeed of almost every essential idea of real sacrifice, as clearly established by recent very exhaustive examination of the offering scenes, makes for the element of revelation in the Mosaic system by delimiting the field of rationalistic speculation on the Egyptian side. Egypt gave nothing to that system, for she had nothing to give. The future life in the Pentateuch. 3. 
then the grossly materialistic character of the egyptian conception of the other world and of the future life and the fact every day becoming clearer that the so-called and so much talked about resurrection in the belief of the egyptians was not a resurrection at all but a resuscitation to the same old life on oxen geese bread wine beer and all good things is furnishing a most complete solution of the problem of the obscurity of the idea of the resurrection in the pentateuchal documents for whether they came from moses when he had just come from egypt or are by some later author attributed to moses when he had just come from egypt the problem is the same why is the idea of the resurrection so obscure in the pentateuch now to have put forth in revelation the idea of the resurrection at that time before the growth of spiritual ideas of god and of worship here of the other world and the future life there and before the people under the influence of these new ideas had outgrown their egyptian training would have carried over into israel's religious thinking all the low degrading materialism of egyptian belief on this subject the mosaic system made no use of egyptian belief concerning the future life because it was not by it usable and it kept away from open presentation of the subject altogether because that was the only way to get the people away from egypt's conception of the subject verhausen's mistake four the discovery of the aramaic papyri at sain made possible a new chapter in old testament criticism raised to a high pitch hopes for a contemporary testimony on old testament history which hitherto hardly dared raise their heads and contributed positive evidence on a number of important points tolerable though not perfect identifications are made out for bagoas governor of the jews of josephus and diodorus sanballat of nehemiah and josephus and jochanan of nehemiah and josephus but more important than all these identifications is the information that the jews had at that period built a temple and offered sacrifice far from jerusalem verhausen lays down the first stone of the foundation of his pentateuchal criticism in these words the returning exiles were thoroughly imbued with the ideas of josiah's reformation and had no thought of worshipping except in jerusalem it cost them no sacrifice of their feelings to leave the ruined high places unbuilt from this date all jews understood as a matter of course that the one god had only one sanctuary so much verhausen but here is this petition of the jews at sain in the year 407 b c after nehemiah's return declaring that they had built a temple there and had established a system of worship and of sacrifices and evidencing also that they expected the approval of the jews at jerusalem in building that temple and re-establishing that sacrificial worship and what is more receiving from the governor of the jews permission to do so a thing which had it been opposed by the jews at jerusalem was utterly inconsistent with the jewish policy of the persian empire in the days of nehemiah new testament greek five then the redating of the hermetic writings whereby they are thrown back from the christian era to five hundred to three hundred b c opens up a completely new source of critical material for tracing the rise and progress of theological terms in the alexandrian greek of the new testament in a recent letter from petri who has written a little book on the subject he sums up the whole case as he sees it in these words my position simply is that the current religious phrases and ideas of the b c age must be grasped in order to understand the usages of religious language in which the new testament is written and we can never know the real motive of new testament writings until we know how much is new thought and how much is current theology in terms of which the euangelos is expressed 
whether or not all the new dates for the writings shall be permitted to stand and petrie's point of view be justified a discussion of the dates and a critical examination of the hermetic writings from the standpoint of their corrected dates alone can determine but it is certain that the products of the examination cannot but be far-reaching in their influence and in the illumination of the teachings of christ and the apostles five identifications last and more generally of recent testimony from archaeology to scripture we must consider the identification of places peoples and events of the bible narrative for many years archaeologists looked up helplessly at the pinholes in the pediment of the parthenon vainly speculating about what might have been the important announcement in bronze once fastened at those pinholes at last an ingenious young american student carefully copied the pinholes and from a study of the collocation divined at last the whole imperial roman decree once fastened there so isolated identification of peoples places and events in the bible may not mean so much however startling their character they may be after all only pinholes in the mosaic of bible history but the collocation of these identifications when many of them have been found indicates at last the whole pattern of the mosaic now the progress of important identifications has of late been very rapid it will suffice only to mention those which we have already studied for their intrinsic importance together with the long list of others within recent years in eighteen seventy four discovered one of the boundary stones of giza at which place now for six years mr r a stuart mcallister has been uncovering the treasures of history of that levitical city in nineteen o six winkler discovered the hittites at their capital city in nineteen o four to five schumacher discovered megiddo in nineteen hundred to nineteen hundred two selin tarnik jericho has now been accurately located by selin and the foundations of her walls laid bare the edomites long denied existence in patriarchal times have been given historical place in the time of meremptah by the papyrus anastasia moab for some time passed in dispute i identified beyond further controversy at luxor in nineteen o eight in an inscription of rameses the second before the time of the exodus while hilprecht at nippur glaza in arabia petri at maghere and along the route of the exodus and reisner at samaria have been adding a multitude of geographical ethnographical and historical identifications the completion of the long list of identifications is rapidly approaching and the collocation of these identifications has given us a new from entirely independent testimony of archaeology the whole outline of the biblical narrative and its surroundings at once the necessary material for the historical imagination and the surest foundation of apologetics fancy for a moment that peoples places and events of the wanderings of ulysses should be identified all the strange route of travel followed the remarkable lands visited and described the curious creatures half human and half monstrous and even unmistakable traces of strange events found all just as the poets imagined what a transformation in our views of homer's great epic must take place henceforth that romance would be history let us reverse the process and fancy that the peoples places and events of the bible history were as little known from independent sources as the wanderings of ulysses the intellectual temper of this age would unhesitatingly put the bible story in the same mythical category in which have always been the romances of homer if it were possible to blot out biblical geography biblical ethnology and biblical history from the realm of exact knowledge so would we put out the eyes of faith henceforth our religion would be blind stone blind 
thus the value of the rapid progress of identifications appears it is the identifications which differentiate history from myth geography from the land of nowhere the record of events from tales of never was scripture from folklore and the gospel of the saviour of the world from the delusions of hope every identification limits by so much the field of historical criticism when the progress of identification shall reach completion the work of historical criticism will be finished conclusion the present status of the testimony from archaeology to scripture as these latest discoveries make it to be may be pointed out in a few words not evolution one the history of civilization as everywhere illuminated is found to be only partially that of the evolutionary theory of early israelite history but very exactly that of the biblical narrative that is to say this history like all history sacred or profane shows at times for even a century or two steady progress but the regular orderly progress from the most primitive state of society towards the highest degree of civilization which the evolutionary theory imperatively demands if it fulfils its intended mission utterly fails the best ancient work at tarnak is the earliest from the cave dwellers to the city builders at giza is no long gentle evolution the early amorite civilization leaps with rapid strides to the great engineering feats on the defences and the waterworks wherever it has been possible to institute comparison between palestine and egypt the canaanite civilization in handicraft art engineering architecture and education has been found to suffer only by that which climate materials and location impose in genius and in practical execution it is equal to that of egypt and only eclipsed before greco-roman times by the brief glory of the solomonic period harmony with scripture two when we come to look more narrowly at the details of archaeological testimony the historical setting thus afforded for the events of the bible narrative is seen to be exactly in harmony with the narrative this is very significant of the final outcome of research in early bible history because views of scripture must finally square with the results of archaeology that is to say with contemporaneous history and the archaeological testimony of these past five years well indicates the present trend toward the final conclusion the bible narrative plainly interpreted at its face value is everywhere being sustained while of the great critical theories proposing to take scripture recording events of that age at other than face value as the illiteracy of early western semitic people the rude nomadic barbarity of palestine and the desert of the patriarchal age the patriarchs not individuals but personifications the desert egypt the gradual invasion of palestine the naturalistic origin of israel's religion the inconsequence of moses as a lawgiver the late authorship of the pentateuch and a dozen others not a single one is being definitely supported by the results of archaeological research indeed reconstructing criticism hardly finds it worth while for the most part to look to archaeology for support the recent testimony of archaeology to scripture like all such testimony that has gone before is definitely and uniformly favourable to the scriptures at their face value and not to the scriptures as reconstructed by criticism End of section two.